Hello folks, I'm Joe Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the executive director for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about us, go to traincpe.org. The other ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, where I'm the Bible teacher. And this is the word we feed on. Psalm 2 introduces us to God's answer and promise to an age that rages against Him. God has appointed one who will rule in righteousness, and no plan of man will change that decree. If you're at home, put your Bibles on your laps. You're going to need them. Let's look at Psalm chapter 2 now, and let's just read it together. The psalmist writes, Why do the heathen rage and the people plot or imagine, the real word here could be moan or murmur, a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us break their bands or bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Just a couple of things of interest here. The kings in that day and age thought themselves to be designatees of different deities, different divine powers. And so, in a sense, all of the representatives of all the divine powers gather together, all the demonic powers gather together to plot and plan their escape from the rule of God over their lives. And also, when they speak, they speak against the Lord and His anointed, and they consider them one in the exercise of their control and power over their lives. Let us break their bonds. Let us break their cords, they say. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in His wrath and distress them in His deep displeasure. As for me, is the way it reads, yet I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. We'll quickly look through this song. Psalm chapter 2. You can see it in four parts. Each part has three verses. In the first part, you'll hear the primary voice of the nations speaking. In the second part, you will hear the primary voice of Yahweh or God Almighty speaking. In the third part, you will hear the voice of the Anointed One, the Messiah speaking. And in the last part, you have the voice of the wise counselor or preacher. The nations speak, God speaks, the Messiah speaks, The wise preacher speaks. We're to be the wise preachers. If you're going to find your voice anywhere, find your voice in the fourth stanza. Take heed, lest your voice is found in the first. This psalm is an expression, by the way. Here is what we read in the first stanza. It's the rebellious cry of the nations. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying... Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. 
Interestingly enough, in the first psalm, we found that the righteous man meditates upon the word of the Lord day and night. And the word meditate there, we said, was hum. The very same word for meditate or hum is here. Why do they plot a vain thing? The word now means murmur. The word means to groan or moan or complain. It's the muttering that goes on under the rule of God. Man resists the imposition of God's will upon their life. Man is at his heart a rebel against God. He doesn't want God to dictate what his life should be. He wants to dictate it for himself. This is true in the individual heart. Corporately, it's true in the heart of society. Although society needs some level of righteousness and order in order to maintain peace, they want to find the finest line. Where is the final extent at which we might have whatever level of order and yet still be able to live for ourselves under our own will? And now you find the people plotting a vain thing. You find the rulers expressing and desiring a vain thing. You find the kings of the earth gathering to plot this vain thing. Later on, you'll find the judges, the word for judges. These are Hebraic terms for all the different people in every point of society. Every point of society. Resist the rule of God. Resist the rule of God's anointed one over the lives. This doesn't mean that they're not religious. This doesn't mean that they don't have some standard of righteousness. But it's one ultimately that is their accepted notions in order that they may rule themselves. The early church understood that the rejection of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion was an expression of this ongoing rebellion against God and against the rule of God and against the rule of God's anointed one. So in Acts chapter 4, we read it for our scripture reading. You'll recall that Peter and John are in the temple They've healed a lame man in the temple. They've begun to preach Christ as the anointed one and the Messiah. The leaders, the Sanhedrin, gather them together, beat them, and then tell them that they are to no longer preach in Jesus' name. They say, listen, you judge what is right, but we can't help but proclaim his name. They threaten them that they're to do this no longer. Peter and John return to the rest of the early church. They share with them this experience before the chief priests and the elders. Then they bow themselves to pray, and as they pray, they say this, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ, and truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel have gathered together. But they've only done what you've decreed. They've only been able to do what you've decreed would take place. But they understood at that very moment that the nations will ultimately go where their hearts go, where the hearts of their people go, and the hearts of the people go from the order and rule of God over their lives. This is an expression of depravity, of sin. It's where it takes us. Let's look at the second stanza. Here we have a matter-of-fact, tranquil response from God. Here you have the nations of the earth gathering together and assembling. You can see them convening together to make these plans and these plot their ways. And this is not only the story of the individual heart, but this is the story, as we said, of communities as a whole and nations as a whole. They go in resistance against the ways of God. We see the evidence of that in every political system. Here's what God says. 
As you watch those things, and maybe you worry, you begin to wring your hands at all the things that are happening in the earth and what wicked men are doing and the plots and the duplicity and the dishonesty and the lack of truth and the lack of seeking God and the rule of the nations. What is God doing? Well, he who sits in the heavens laughs. They run and they rush about to assemble and convene their parties and their conventions and their political positions. God just sits. He holds them in derision and then he speaks to them in his wrath and he distresses them in his deep pleasure. Here's the distressing thing he says to them. As for me, I have installed my king. In other words, plan away. (laughs) Do whatever you want. Away with your plans. I've already established who is going to be king over the nations. That's why it's a vain thing, isn't it? All this work, all this effort, all this political intrigue, all this effort to find some fine line to rule and somehow have some level of order in the earth, but at the same time maintain a rule ourselves so that God does not impose Himself completely over our lives. All this moaning after empty things. I have established from my holy hill one who will reign out of Zion. That's what God says. Do your best. Try what you will. You won't succeed. That's what He's saying. Let's go to the third stanza. Here we have an outline of God's plan, but now it's given to us from God's Messiah, His anointed one. The anointed one rises up, the Messiah rises up to say, this is what God has said is the plan for the future. I will declare the decree of the Lord. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. And you shall break them with a rod of iron. And you shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. I think about this, the moment in which Christ received that anointing as the Messiah was when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down upon his head. And we read after that he went out to the desert to be tempted. And it's so interesting that part of the temptation was the devil coming along and saying, if you worship me, I will give you rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. He didn't know that Christ had been anointed and established already, seated as that king and Messiah, at the anointing that took place upon him when he was baptized. Take your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9 for a moment. Isaiah chapter 9 shadows perfectly what this anointed one has just said. It expresses this great anticipation and its fulfillment. Verses 4 and 5 and verse 7 give expression to what we find in the latter half of these three verses. The first verse is given to us in verse 6. God has given us His Son. Verse 6 says, For unto us a son has been given. Here is what God declares in this psalm. You are my son. God has born unto us a child or a son. For unto you a child is born. God says in this psalm, today I have begotten you. You see? The son is given. The child is born. And now look at the promise. You shall reign, you shall rule, you shall break with a rod of iron all resistance against you. Now look at verse 4 of chapter 9. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulders and the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is confused with noise. The garments are rolled up in blood and shall be for burning and a fuel of fire. That is, God is going to take all of the accoutrements and armory of the militaries that stand against God and he'll roll them up together and burn them and destroy them. 
Go back, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. The anointed one is speaking. I've been installed. I've been appointed upon this throne. I will rule. I will put down all the nations. I will raise up peace forevermore. The rebellions of men shall be brought to an end. David's throne shall have an everlasting king reigning out of Jerusalem, bringing Zion's peace. He shall end all rebellion. He shall smash into pieces all those who rebel against him. Go to Micah chapter 4 very quickly and we'll read this as well. Micah chapter 4. Verses 1 through 4. These are the things that the people were taught to long for because God had prophesied it and promised it. They weren't longing for something that God hadn't promised. They were longing that God would fulfill what He had said He would bring. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and the people shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And He shall judge between many peoples, and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. and their spears. Well, thank you for listening to the ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.